Well, what happens when you die? We're all going to die. If the Lord comes, um, we're going to be taken home earlier. And, you know, kids, you may want to ask mom and dad today, explain to me the rapture. Parents, that's your assignment. Explain the rapture, and then maybe we'll have rapture practice next week. People ask all kinds of questions about heaven. Sometimes people say, are there going to be animals in heaven? When Fluffy dies, does Fluffy go to heaven? Um, Animals, those who inhabit heaven, uh, have souls. And I believe there are animals in heaven. Revelation, and the Bible supports that. Revelation 11 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Now, so there's horses in heaven. Okay? If there's a horse, there ought to be dogs. No cats, dogs. The cats are hanging out with the demons, I think. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages war. Uh, There isn't proof that we're going to maintain or retain ownership of animals, but animals are going to be in heaven. But this morning, I want to answer uh, the question, what happens when we die? At death, the soul and spirit leave the body, but as at a future date, our body is going to be raised up, and it's going to be changed. We're going to receive a, 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 an eternal body, a heavenly body, a new body. And that's the broad belief in this message, and we're going to dig into the details. So what happens when we die? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 9. Paul's writing, and he says this, For we know that when this earthly tent, that's our, our body, we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present body and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, make noises when our bones crack. That's not in here. I would have put it in here. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he's given us the Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we're fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. Even people who call themselves Christians often have strange ideas about what heaven is like. Do you remember the movie It's a Wonderful Life with uh, Jimmy Stewart and other people in it. 
Um, it opens with several people praying for George Bailey, the, the main character. And, and George is, is in trouble because some of the money is missing from the savings loan that he was in charge of, and he's thinking about taking his life. The scene then shifts to outer space, and God is talking with the angel named Joseph. And they summon a junior angel named Clarence. <laughs> Clarence the angel. I to go to earth and help George. Clarence died in the 1800s, but he hasn't earned his angel wings yet. And in spite of the fact that he doesn't have the angel business down pat, Clarence it succeeds in getting George to consider that his life really has some value. George uh, is, at the end of the movie, standing by a Christmas tree. And the little bell rings three times. Ding, ding, ding. I guess. I've never seen the movie. I, you, you, you're always watching it. But it's, it's, it's a popular movie. But his daughter, Zuzu, says, Teacher says every time the bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And George smiles and says, That's right. Attaboy, Clarence. So Clarence, when the bell rang finally got his wings. Now, that makes for a great movie, people. That, that it does. It's a fun movie. But it distorts what the Bible says happens when a person dies. We don't become angels. We don't get wings. We're not coming back down to the earth to help guys who are in trouble because somebody took money from a bank. When a person dies, look at what it says in Luke 16. When Lazarus died... Luke 16, says, Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham, Abraham at the heavenly, <coughs> at the heavenly bank, banquet. Uh, the rich man also died and was buried. So there's three things I think that we need to notice about this. And the first is, this life is like sleeping in a tent. So you say, well, okay, what is this, what is this body, this, this, this stuff? See, th this isn't really John Batson, you know. You, you, you can see that I've been scarred up, and, and uh, we all have scars of some kind. We have, get scrapes and skins up our knees, and things happen to us. Some people have to have surgery. And this equipment that God has given us can, can wear out, and sometimes we need a doc to, to fix us. So I call this our earth suit, okay? And our earth suit has been given to us by God to move our spirit, our soul and spirit, from one place to the other. So right now, I'm in my earth suit. And someday, God is going to say, we got a new body for you, a new earth, uh, the, the, old, the earth suit's going to go away. We've got a new body, I've got a new body for you. I've created it with my own hands, and it's waiting for you, and we're going to receive that. So, don't think of this really as me or you. It's who you are inside, your personality. So this life is like sleeping in a tent, okay, this body. And, and Bedouin tribes of the Middle East are desert dwellers. They raise camels and goats, and they live in these huge tents. Sometimes several families are in there. 
you camp, you who are campers, you start out in a tent, you have this wonderful image of this is going to be a magnificent weekend. And, you know, the rain comes up, the wind comes up, and, you know, you're like fighting an octopus getting this thing going. Somebody forgot the tent stakes. Somebody broke a pole. Somebody did something else. There's a big hole in the side of the thing. And, and that's, you know, we've all experienced the tent, so you move to a camper if you like to camp. But you often start out sleeping in a tent, and tents were popular during Paul's time. In fact, uh, he was a tent maker in Acts 18.3. So he, 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 he supported himself uh, in his ministry by working as a tent maker. The main thing that we need to understand is that a tent is a temporary build, dwelling compared to a house that's more permanent. And your body's like that tent, and you really, you who, you who you are really are living in this tent. To put it another way, you have this visible outward presence as well as an invisible inward presence. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that while we never give up, that is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. We're wearing out. So the real you, the invisible, lives within this body like a camper lives in a tent. And so when you look at me, you see the outer me. Paul wrote about this tent being destroyed. That's a reference to being put to death. And it may be destroyed slowly by old age or by some disease. It could be destroyed suddenly in an automobile accident or some other tragedy. But we all have one thing in common. This tent isn't per permanent. One day, it's going to go away. And everyone has to deal with the thought of death. <clears throat> Your spirit, however, endures forever. It's never going to be destroyed. It's eternal. And it's also true of your soul, but I believe your spirit is the innermost part of your personhood. So before you come to know Christ, you had a dead spirit. It says, you know, that we are alive in Christ. But before, we were dead in our trespass and in our sins. And when you become a Christian, your spirit becomes alive with the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. He makes you a new new a new creation. Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. The old life, the old habits, the old ways, the old manners that we have lived. Behold, all things become new. We're squeaky clean as Christians. Now, sometimes we want to bring some of that, that old stuff back into our into our. Uh, into our new body, but uh, we have the Holy Spirit to convict us of that. You know, we spend a lot of time and money and attention on our bodies. When you're a kid, you're always wanting to be older. When you're, and you have this smooth skin, and Granny comes up to you and says, Oh, sweetie, you have such beautiful skin. You know, the, you get the grandma cheek pinch. I, I get that from my wife. She says, not she does. <laughs> oh, you're so cute and that fresh, oh, that child, that angelic skin and she won't let go of your mouth, you know, and, and, and shaking it. And you as a kid, you're getting shook. And then when you get older, 
You're wanting to be like that kid again, so you spend all kinds of money getting de-wrinkled, uh, de, uh, uh, stuff that sag gets pushed back up somehow, either mechanically or forcibly. <laughs> you know, you spend money smelling good, looking good, uh, getting your hair done. But Jesus says in Mark 8, 36, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What benefit is it if you're gray and you want to be a redhead? If you're baggy and saggy and you want to be lean and mean? If you want to smell something other than wash soap so you put oude poo-poo or whatever you're putting on yourself, what benefit is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Well, here's the truth. When your tent, while your tent is getting more and more feeble, it's possible that your spirit is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I've lived six decades plus in this tent. That's a long time. And I didn't take care of my tent the way I should have. Um, and some of you haven't either. I mean, and, or, and it's, just, it's just the process of, of life. And I kid, I said, you know, it's, it's not the years, it's the miles. I got about 210 on me, <laughs> 210 million miles. But I'm more excited, in spite of all the aches and the pains, I'm more excited about living for Jesus than ever before. So, well, John, are you excited about going home to Jesus? I used to say that a lot, but I'm rethinking my theology. I'm excited about being used for God. I'm excited about being used for Jesus Christ. And when he says, John, your time is up, I'm taking you home, way to go. I'm going to be gone. Don't cry for me. If you're around and I'm gone, have a party. If you want to say good things, don't say it over my corpse. Say it to my face so I can enjoy it now. Okay? If you say bad things, do it when I'm dead. Well, the second thing is, death is leaving this tent to be in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to die. Where am I going to be? Who am I going to hang with? Well, initially, it's going to be with Jesus Christ. The best description of the death of a Christian is in 2 Corinthians 5.8. Yes, we are fully confident. That means we believe with all of our heart. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies than we will be at home, for then we will be at home with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And at the point of death, our body quits functioning. But our soul and spirit immediately goes to heaven, be with Jesus. The word for death in the Hebrew language literally means to breathe out. If you've been with people who've died, they breathe out. I was with my Aunt Helen. She was holding my daughter Holly's hand. Holly was holding her hand. And we watched the oxygen level, and the doc said when that oxygen level goes to zero, they're going to go home. Uh, our doc at the time was a believer. 
And she did. And we were there. And, and yeah, there's a few tears shed because we're not going to have Aunt Helen around. But it was a celebration. And we heard her breathe her last. It's like our English word to expire, breathe out. John 19.30, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, he said, it is finished. Then bowed his head and released his spirit. It's finished. With that, he was gone. And a Christian shouldn't fear death. Paul wrote about a man in Christ who ascended to paradise, the third heaven, And he tells about, this man tells about these inexpressible things uh, that he wasn't permitted to tell us. And so most scholars uh, have said that they believe this was the Apostle Paul. And when Paul was writing to the church of Philippi, he said in Philippians 1, 21 through 24, For me, for to me living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. God still has work for me to do, and I can't do it being dead. Death is a departure of our soul and spirit to be with Jesus. Um, Paul uses... it's it's the, the, The Greek language is really... Is, is really intense. Um, ben was trying to teach me Tagali, Tagali, Tagali whatever it is he speaks. And, and uh, that's the craziest language I've ever heard in my life. It, I, and yet he's just... And, and it makes sense. Well, the, the Greek language is just as difficult, but let me make it a little clearer because it is so rich. Um, Paul uses a triple superlative to talk about death. So he says in, in, that, in that verse, he says, even better, which is better, which would be far better. So if we translated this literally in the Greek, he would, it would say much, much, much more better. Now, that's not good English. But boy, is that great theology. Death for a Christian is departing to be with Jesus. And later Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew when he was going to die. It, I think he, and, he, and, he and Christ had such a close relationship. I don't know if, he, if, if Jesus told him, hey, Paul, you know, get your things in order because uh, it's going to be curtains in two weeks. Departure was a, used, a word used for, to a, for a soldier to describe uh, breaking camp, folding up his tent, getting his things together, putting it in his backpack, and moving on to the next assignment. And that's kind of what death is for us. The tent, we, the cool thing is somebody else is worrying about the tent. We don't have to mess with the tent. We die to heaven. It was also a word used to describe a prisoner set free from his chains. And if you read in the, in the, the book of Acts where the earthquake came and the chains were released from from uh, Paul, and the prison doors swung open, and that soldier was ready to, and he stopped, you know, and, and so uh, death isn't this ominous, scary story. Dwight L. Moody, I don't know if some of you remember 
reading about him, but Dwight L. Moody founded Moody, Moody, <laughs> Moody Bible Institute and the phenomenal Moody Church. Did you go to Moody Church at all when you were up there? Okay. It, 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 it was cool. It's a cool church. Um, he led crusades throughout North America and, England, and in England, which thousands of people accepted Christ. And here's how he described death. And some of you may think that Billy Graham made this up. It wasn't. It was, he, he took it from, from D.L. Moody. Someday, you're going to read in the papers, D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. <coughs> I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the Spirit will live forever. The last point is, is when Jesus returns, all believers, is going, or all believers will receive an eternal body. And obviously the answer to what happens when a person dies depends on whether or not that person knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, I know most of you. I can't get inside your heads or your hearts. There are people, I had a, I had a good friend uh, down near Wichita who uh, was pastoring a church and, ha- and was unsaved. This, is, this had been years and years and years and years ago. And it was a Bible church. In fact, it was a Bible Baptist church, which tells you that, that heathens are everywhere. <laughs> and so, so this pastor was, a, was a, an adult and had never received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. His, he gave an invitation. His wife came forward and got saved. And, and Dave said, wait a minute. I've been preaching this for, for years. I have no assurance. I have never done this. And he got saved that day. <clears throat> Went on to lead a very, very successful, fruitful ministry. So my point is, I don't know who you are in Christ, if you are or if you aren't, but if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is the day that you settle that. You can, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask you to come into my life. I believe that when you died in my place on that cross, I will live forever with you in, the, in heaven if I just believe. If I just believe, and faith-believing receive you as my Savior. That is what the, the, the Christian uh, acceptance that we talk about, the, the being born again that we talk about, that's what it means. Receiving Christ, re, repenting of your sin, receiving Christ, and, and thanking Him for it. In this series on heaven, the Bible teaches that those who die without a personal relationship with God will spend eternity from him. In Luke 16, Jesus pulled back the curtain a little bit and showed what happens to people who, who die without, without Christ. In Luke 16, 22 through 31, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. 
and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish with these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you're in great anguish. And you're in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm, chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. The rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't even listen if someone rises from the dead. The rich man wasn't in hell yet. He was in a place called Hades, which is a place for people who, who, uh, it's not purgatory, get purgatory out of your heads. There is is the, the place that is fixed for the unsaved to go, and it is a place of torment, but it isn't hell that we learn of in in, uh, Revelation, which is the lake of fire. That's the real hell. But it is hellish in nature. Revelation says that at the end of time, in 2014 through 15, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So Hades is like, it's like the county jail. Uh, can you relate, brother? <laughs> uh, before a prisoner is sent to the state penitentiary. It's not purgatory. Get purgatory out of your heads. Lazarus wasn't in the final heaven. He was in a place called paradise. The rich man was in a place called Gehenna, which is a place of torment. Paradise is like wait, the waiting room for our final call to heaven. It's heavenly in nature. Some people call it uh, pre-heaven or the intermediate state. I call it paradise. And for lack of a better word, you can call it heaven. God is going to sort it all out when you die. My mother-in-law died April 21st of 2014. Not sure what time it was. Four-ish. And uh, one nanosecond... That's, that's more than a blink of the eye. After she breathed her last, she was in the very presence of her Lord and Savior. Her soul and spirit left her worn-out old body, and she woke up in paradise. What a ride. Jesus, with a sense of a body, in the presence of Jesus, with a sense of a body that was whole and well. She was in a lot of pain. She never complained. Never complained. But 96 years old, you're going to have some aches and pains. We flew mom's body to Chicago. That's a a really funny story. When Aunt Helen died, uh, the the family is buried in Chicago. Aunt Helen hated airplanes. 
and we got the last laugh. <laughs> she flew to Chicago, <laughs> and she probably flew to heaven. So we flew mom's body to Chicago where she was buried in the family plot, and, and some Christians were lost at sea or burned or even eaten by wild animals. Those believers are with Jesus in paradise now with a sense of having a heavenly body. Someday they will have that heavenly body. Mom is, is joyful and content in paradise. I don't know if they have uh, uh, the card games that she used to play. The, um, Bunko, yeah. Bunko with Jesus. I bet that's a hoot. But she knows one day the Lord's going to return in the clouds to rapture the church. And we're going to see her again. And when he comes, he's going to bring mom and the other saints with him. Sarita Jean, I can't believe you didn't wear something better than that. <laughs> That's when we're going to get our resurrection bodies. I'm going to be 6'2", 192 pounds. I'm going to trade the keg for a six-pack. I'm going to be perfect. I'll have a head of hair. And yes, you'll remember me. You'll recognize me. All of you guys will say, Man, that is an extreme makeover, Batson. <laughs> For since we believe that Jesus died in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 17, and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who died. We will tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, in the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God call, call of God, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves, then together with them we are still who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. That's the rapture. So mom and dad explain that today. Well, what's it going to look like? 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, we already are God's children, but He has not shown us yet what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. So, what's going to be like for us in eternity, mentally? Mentally, you're going to have a renewed mind, the mind of Christ. You know, I struggle to remember stuff. How about you? You know, everybody loses their keys. Uh, have you ever made a mistake and then you beat yourself up saying, I am so dumb? Uh, in heaven, you'll be mentally perfect. We'll, never have, the, we'll ha never have the answers in this life, but when we meet Jesus, we won't even has, have to ask. We will know. Emotionally, you're going to have a joyful heart. There's times in this life when you're just on the, on, the, on the verge of going nuts. You really are a head case. And yet, and we, we sink into the, uh, the pit of despair, but in heaven, none of these emotions are going to be around. The Bible says in, in 16, Psalm 1611, you, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Physically, our body will last forever. There's no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. Where are you going to spend eternity? Some people say, yeah, I really don't care. I'll just cease being. 
I wasn't worried about what happened in 1868. Why should I be worried about what happens after I die in uh, 2018? I don't care. But you will care. Five seconds after you die, you die you're going to care. <laughs> Others say, I don't know. And it's sad if not to have the assurance. But if you placed your faith in Jesus, you can say with assurance, I'll be far away from this body and at home with the Lord. So dying's not scary, friends. The unknown's what we fear the most. One day we'll be able to see all of our family and friends who knew Jesus as their Savior and are in heaven. That's your choice. We're going to have that glorious reunion or not. Let's pray.